Whether you are starting a business or running a business, maybe you are producing a podcast like The Kara Golden Show. Let's face it, it's always way harder than one might expect. Lots of little details, meticulous planning, producing product, guest coordination, editing, promoting each episode. It's all a ton of work. Managing merchandise, managing cases and book sales too, layer after layer of complexity. And if you're like me, looking for ways to operate more efficiently and effectively is the name of the game. That's why I'm going to let you in on a little secret. ShipStation, the tool that is here to help you and you need to know all about it. With ShipStation, you can integrate with all the places you sell online, optimize your shipping, save costs and time. Personally, ShipStation has been a lifesaver for me. Its automation features allow me to manage orders from anywhere and print shipping labels with just a click. Seriously, it's that easy. And the cost savings? Unbelievable. With discounts up to 89% off carrier rates, you can't go wrong. Significant savings. And who doesn't want that? An easy-to-use dashboard, robust reporting. Oh, and did I mention that over 130,000 companies have leveraged ShipStation to grow their businesses? Not much churn either. 98% of them stay with ShipStation because it truly works. ShipStation is it. So if you're ready to streamline your shipping process and focus more on what you love, head over to ShipStation.com, the innovative tool that helps turn your shipping challenges into opportunities for growth. Go to ShipStation.com and use code CARA to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, code CARA. Use code CARA for a free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, promo code CARA. I just wanted to bring clean water to everybody in the world. I am unwilling to give up. That I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out. Knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control. 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 Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders. We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I'm so excited to have my next guest here. Scott Harrison is the founder and CEO and author. We'll talk about that as well, um, but of a company called Charity Water. And for those of you who are not familiar uh, with charity, we will definitely hear a lot more from Scott about this incredible organization, as I said, he founded and he is running. So just a little bit about charity and Scott, do you call it charity or charity water? Charity water. Charity, charity water. water. Okay. I know. It's not very creative, right? We're a charity that helps people get clean water. I love it. I love it. So it's a nonprofit focused on bringing clean and safe drinking water to developing nations. And Scott started Charity Water back in 2006 after he witnessed firsthand what a lack of clean water could do to a community. And 
Many years later, uh, 15 years later, Charity Water has raised more than $557 million in 100, or sorry, to helping many, many people in many mm. uh, countries, 12 point million people in 20, I have 29 countries. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. It's that's amazing, right. amazing. And as I mentioned, he's also the author of a book that I read when it first came out. It's an excellent book, and I reread it prior to the podcast called Thirst. So good. You need to write another book. I'm sure there's many, many stories after um, this one was out as well, and and it's such a good book. Thirst is, is really, really great. Wow, thanks. Scott has also been, I should mention, recognized as Fortune Magazine's 40 Under 40, Forbes Magazine 30 list, and was recently number 10 in Fast Company's 100 Most Creative People in Business. So um, he is a total rock star, and we are so excited to have him. He just was telling me that he moved to Nashville after many years in New York. So uh, we'll hear all about that. So thank you, Scott, for coming and sharing more about this. So take us back to the beginning. Did did you always know that you were going to do something in kind of the you know the nonprofit section the the sector the the water no. sector? I mean, did you always know that you were going to be giving back in some way? No, I was a club promoter for ten years. So uh, I I moved to New York City at eighteen to rebel against a very Christian conservative upbringing. And I thought the best way to get back at my parents in the church would be to become the biggest nightclub promoter in New York City. And uh, that was my big idea. At 18, I started smoking and drinking and chasing models around the world and doing drugs and all of these things that I thought would, uh, would bring me happiness and success. And over, over the next decade, uh, I climbed up that ladder of, of New York City kind of social life and uh, worked at 40 different nightclubs. And this was this was a life that, you know, you'd have dinner at 10 at night, the club at 12, some after hours CD place at five, and then kind of stumble into, into bed at 10 a.m., re- you know, when other people are on their I remember, I, I'm embarrassed to say <laughs> I remember those days as well, so. <laughs> you know, well, I, you know, I, it was probably a shorter phase for you, unfortunately, <laughs> with 10 years of my life. And after, you know, after a decade in the business, I wound up uh, emotionally, spiritually, morally bankrupt, this kind of degenerate, decrepit, uh, soulless human being at 28 years old that had come so far from faith and any sort of morality that I've been brought up with. And, you know, thankfully, I, I came to this realization, I had a massive life change, sold everything I owned and said, can I make my life look exactly the opposite? Mm. Uh, what would it look like to be useful? What would it look like to serve others? Uh, can any of my talents uh, actually make the world a better place? You know, could I could I find a purpose? And it took me to a humanitarian mission in Liberia, West Africa, uh, a post-war country uh, where I embedded with some doctors and surgeons as a photojournalist. And it was really there in in a two-year period of time where I saw people drinking dirty water for the first time. And I think this was in such sharp contrast because I had been selling water in my clubs for $10 a bottle. And I remember people would come in, they would order water, you know, 10 bottles on their table, 20 bottles on their table. They wouldn't even drink it. They would just drink the champagne or the vodka. 
and I saw, you know, human beings dying because they were drinking diseased water. And I was 30 at the time and uh, I had sold everything I had. I'd quit the drinking and the smoking and the drugs and kind of, you know, started, started living clean. And I just came back to, to, to New York after this experience with a very clear life's mission. I just wanted to bring clean water to everybody in the world. Uh, How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years, helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long-term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is the Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? 
you can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is super well done, I think. It makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of The Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for The Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. I thought it was crazy that human beings alive today on planet Earth don't have clean water. The 10% of the planet is drinking dirty, disgusting, diseased, toxic water. And, uh, and, and we know how to, to solve the problem. So let me, let me stop you there. So, so when you're in Manhattan, and did you have a friend yeah. working on this or how did you get connected? I mean, how did you go from New York City? No, no, I, I got this crazy idea. So, I, you know, I was raised in the Christian tradition and I got this crazy idea to tithe one of the 10 years that I'd selfishly wasted, you know, back to, to people in need. So I just started applying to famous humanitarian organizations I'd heard of over the years, Doctors Without Borders, World Vision, Save the Children. Mm. And 10 organizations denied me. And one organization accepted me. So I really had limited options. And that was an organization going to post-war Liberia, West Africa. And they took me on as a volunteer photojournalist on the mission. Uh, the crazy thing was I also had to pay them $500 a month for the pleasure of volunteering. So it was it was really the opposite of my life. Were you a photographer or were you just like... Well, I was. Yeah. I, kind of as a hobby. Yeah. You know, I put up a bunch of pictures on a blog and... Um, you know, I'd gone to NYU part-time and gotten just a, a general communications degree. So I was a pretty good writer. I was a pretty good photographer. Uh, and I had this network built in over a decade of 15,000 emails of people who had attended right. my, my parties. So I was able to tell them a very different story, you know, kind of on a dime. Instead of inviting them to the Prada megastore opening in Soho, I started telling them of the amazing work uh, these doctors were doing of, of people getting access to clean water as well in, in, uh, in Africa. Can you imagine you probably, I talk a lot about when I was starting my company hint, how I moved from, you know, nice tech role into, you know, starting a beverage company and the number of people I heard from, I didn't necessarily invite their opinion, but heard, you know, what are you doing? Why are you starting this water? Yep. I can imagine people saying, Scott, it's not, you'll, you'll be fine. Don't, don't go to Liberia. I mean, this is like, but 
like, people were intrigued. I mean, I will say, you know, yeah. I mean, many of them had done cocaine with me, you know, two weeks previously, right. you know, at three in the morning in some nightclub. And, you know, they were a little cynical, like, oh, this guy's going to go save the world now. You yeah. Know, oh, what? Scott's a humanitarian. You know, he's probably just trying to get girls. Right. <laughs> so there was definitely a lot of cynicism at first. But so often I feel like if you don't kind of go through the journey, right? I mean, you talked about how 10 had rejected you, uh, different yep. ones that you yep. had applied for, but that one said, yes, come. And and look at this. You were able to actually generate the idea that would become Charity Water today. Yep. I mean, right? Just from that moment. And if you didn't go, do you ever think about that? Like if you didn't actually... I mean, it, it just, it, it probably, I think back a lot where, I, where maybe I had the doubters, maybe I had the, you know, doubts of my own, like, what am I doing? And then all of a sudden you just sort of roll with it. And then just the, as Steve Jobs used to say, I talk a lot about the dots eventually connect, you know, it, it's just, yeah. it's a wild. I mean, it was, it was pretty ridiculous. I had zero experience Yeah, uh, and, you know, to start a water charity or, you know, to hear me running around New York City at 30 years old saying, I'm going to bring millions of people clean drinking water, uh, it certainly seemed like a farce to, to some people. But, you know, again, because I had this two-year authentic experience, there was also a credibility that came with what I, what I had done. You know, I hadn't gone on a mission trip for a week. You know, I had lived in this country for, I lived in West Africa for a year and a half. And uh, I, I had... I had seen this up close and personal, both the problem and also the solutions. I came back to New York City, you know, two years later, I had 50,000 photographs mm -hmm. that I had taken. So I had these stories, I had these photographs and this kind of, you know, clear vision of what I wanted to try to do. And then I think there was just a lot of uh, passion and idealism. And I would, I would take, you know, 15 meetings a day and 14 people would say, no, thanks. I'm not going to help this is too new. You know, who knows if you're going to be successful. And then one would say yes. And then you would kind of grasp that one yes. And you would go on to the next 15 meetings. And then, you know, a couple months later, two would start saying yes. And three out of 15 would start saying yes. So what was your original ask when you were having these meetings? Well, you know, I had a, I had a vision to structure charity water very differently than a traditional charity. Um, again, being 30, when I started this, I didn't know anything about philanthropy. I I, yeah. I was very inexperienced, and I just came at this like a like an entrepreneur might. What problem am I trying to solve? I'm trying to get everybody in the in the world clean water. Okay, that's going to take tens of billions of dollars, you know, if not you know a hundred billion dollars to to achieve. And I realized so many people just didn't trust charities. So many everyday people working at Sephora or Chase Bank or MTV. They were cynical. They were skeptical. They'd say, where does my money go? How much of my money is actually going to reach the people in need? So I had this idea. What if we could separate the overhead from all the public donations and, you know, promise the public that 100% of every dollar they gave, whether it was one single dollar or a million dollars, mm -hmm. would go directly to build water projects that would help people get clean water. And then in a separate bank account, I would go and raise all of the overhead from entrepreneurs, from business leaders,
from people who understand you needed to recruit and retain the best talent to build a world-class organization. So that was kind of the big idea. It was, you know, one out of like a million charities were doing that. And, uh, and, and we've run this with two bank accounts. So I always had to figure out what my ask was. You know, if I was, let's say I was meeting with you, I would probably ask you for a donation to help fund the next employee, mm -hmm. right? Because you're an entrepreneur and you understand that, that that talent is so important to build something. If I was talking to somebody who was cynical about charity, I would say, hey, would you help me build a water project in a village to give them clean water? So I was constantly, you know, trying to assess which, which bank account to, to raise money for. Um, and, and 15 years later, you know, with a hundred million dollar budget, it's still very much the same. You know, we're, we're, we're trying to figure out what is the right fit for, for any given donor or supporter. So interesting. So you, you go from the nightclub industry to starting a nonprofit and raising money, not here, like down the street. I mean, for countries all over the world and how, yeah. what, what similarities in, in sort of opening a new club versus starting this entirely new project? In a new, I mean, w were there similarities in, in kind of kickstarting and raising awareness, raising money that you saw as like, oh, I can do this? I think the skill that I'd learned was promoting. Mm -hmm. um, I was promoting the idea for 10 years that if you got past the velvet rope, if you sat at VIP table number one, next to Jay-Z or Puffy or, you know, Jim Carrey. Uh, if you spent a thousand dollars on booze, you know, your life had meaning. Yeah. You had arrived. Yeah. And, you know, I think the story that I've been thankfully telling for the last 17 years is if you are looking to give of your time and your talent and your money in service of others, uh, if, you're, if you're kind of uh, not embracing the apathy that comes with seeing all of this suffering in the world. But if you're engaging, if you're activating, then your life has a greater purpose and a greater meaning. So I've been, you know, preaching this message of generosity and compassion, you know, for 17 years versus, you know, get past the velvet rope and get yeah. drunk or wasted or laid, you know? Yeah. It's, it's so interesting. So you, uh, what was the first year like uh, in building this company? I mean, what was, what was the hardest part? Well, it was a lot of meetings and, you know, the hardest part about our work um, and, you know, you're in the liquids business. So, uh, you know, you, most people just take this stuff for granted. We take clean water for granted. You know, everybody, I guarantee everybody listening or watching this did not wake up this morning and take a shower or, you know, make their coffee or, you know, grab a hint out of the refrigerator, you know, on their way to the gym and say, boy, I'm so grateful for the clean water. You know, I need to do something about the 771 million people globally who, who have never tasted clean water, right? It's just, it's not top of mind. This is not a problem we experience in the developed world. Um, even if you're in a low income, you know, how's it like you have water, right? We, we have water. In America, we have water, you know, throughout Europe. So that's kind of the biggest challenge is just getting people to understand this is a massive issue. It comes with extraordinary amount of human suffering. It deeply affects women and girls, 
uh, who are the ones that are that are bearing you know this burden. Women and girls are the ones that are bearing this burden, and it's also a solvable problem. We we know how to do something about this. So the first year was just telling that story. Uh, on a laptop, going back and forth and back and forth and, and trying to get people excited about about engaging in this. That's interesting. How much did you raise that first year? Do you remember? I think $2 million. So it was $2 million the first year, $6 million the second, $9 million, 16, 23, 28, 35, 45. You know, it was, it was kind of a lot of growth in those early years and a lot of momentum. What made you keep going? When you had those hard days, those lots of no's, those. Yeah, seeing the progress. I mean, knowing that as we moved this forward, people were getting access to clean water. And I've been to 70 countries now. I've been to Ethiopia 31 times. So it's really important to me to keep getting out there every couple months uh, in the villages, you know, seeing the progress, knowing that we were really making a difference. So huge. So how has the pandemic impacted a lot yeah. of your water projects throughout the world. Well, there were some. Let me let me say at the at, at the top. I think. Well, if you all remember the beginning of the pandemic, we were all being told to wash mm-hmm. our hands like crazy, right? I mean, we were washing mm-hmm. Amazon boxes uh, as they came in. So, I think people realized uh, the link between clean water or water and health, and clean water is, is more important than ever during a global pandemic. And so many of the 29 countries where we work, you know, th- there's not a single ventilator in the country. I mean, we're talking about ICU bed capacity here. There are no ICUs in many of these areas. So the prevention was so important. So, so Charity Water employs about 1,500 locals now around the world uh, through our partner network. And they were out there with masks on, drilling through the pandemic, building hand-washing stations, uh, talking about social distancing at Charity Water Points, uh, rehabilitating broken water projects at health clinics to make sure these clinics had the clean water that they needed. So the work was really able to continue because they were classified as frontline essential workers. Um, I think similar to your experience as well, right? Nobody wanted to stop the clean water from flowing during the pandemic. So they obviously took a lot of precautions, but we were able to continue the work and, and get you know more than a million new people clean water last year alone. That's amazing. What's been the toughest country to do your projects in? Oh, gosh, probably Ethiopia, because uh, a civil war broke out uh, mm-hmm. about a year ago in the north, which is where we have a high concentration of projects. And, you know, this is a country I know and love well. Again, I've been there more than 30 times. I've taken... 400 different donors there over time. And uh, it just a devastating civil war broke out between uh, the, the people of Tigray and the, the central government. And, you know, the, the, the suffering, the, the toll on, on families, on children is just, you know, inexplicable. And it's made that country extraordinarily difficult to, to work in. I'm sure you get asked this question a lot. So the U.S., um, obviously, it's uh, different types of issues. Uh, as I, one of the projects that I've been working on in, in Washington is is around clean water and getting things like PFAS and and things like that out of our water supply, which especially in sort of lower income communities can be hidden very nicely, but um, but can yes. actually cause uh, you know cancer causing um, you know. Ingredients, etc. Yeah. Do you 
get pressure at all to folk to look at the U.S. You're a U.S. company. I mean, have you thought about um, doing some projects uh, in the U.S. just because you know how to get this stuff done? Yeah, I mean, one of the the, the I'm a big believer in focus. So we have built a 15 year proficiency on helping the rural poor in the world get access to clean water. So we don't even work in urban environments. Of the 770 million people globally without water, 18% of them live in cities and towns, and 82% of them live in rural environments. So we are only focused on rural. We're then focused on the lowest income countries around the world. America officially has 100% water coverage. We know that's not true. We know there's pockets of Native American communities when those pockets in Appalachia Ethiopia has 50% water coverage. So there are literally 50 million humans in a country like Ethiopia that don't have clean water. So we've really been hyper clear about our focus. Um, I'll give you an example. When, when Flint happened, you know, a bunch of people are like, hey, what should Charity Water do in Flint? You know, and our execs got together and said, Flint does not need a New York City charity with a focus of, you know, Africa, India, Southeast Asia, parachuting into Flint, Michigan, pretending we have any idea how to solve a billion dollar infrastructure piping crisis. So we just sent our donors to a bunch of local Flint charities and said, give directly to these orgs who've been working in Flint, Michigan for 20 years. Don't give us a single penny. And there is an org uh, that we send all of our domestic interest to called Dig Deep. Um, George McGraw is the founder there, and they are working on those Native American lands and, and in pockets of Appalachia on the U.S. water crisis. That is what they do uniquely. They don't work at all overseas. So, you know, I, I'll tell somebody if I come off stage and they're like, well, how come you aren't working? I say, here they are. Please give them money. Don't give yeah. us a penny if that's your passion. You know, normally uh, they're going to give money to nobody. Right. <laughs> those kind of people. Well, and I think but, what you touched on too with any entrepreneurial ventures you you need to know where to put your stakes in the ground it's like people will say to me you know ah, i like hint but i just wish that you added a little bit of sweetener to it and i i'm like there, there's a lot of those yeah. <laughs> great there's another product they can buy right that right not it's not my thing and i think knowing your lane um and uh maybe that's not the right term yeah. but knowing what your stakes are in the ground around, I think is such an important piece. And, and, uh, I, I totally, totally agree. So you launched a super cool awards program I read about called tiny heroes. Can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah. I mean, so charity water now, you know, we've raised about $600 million from a million extraordinary, just everyday people, to be quite honest around the world. You know, we've worked with a few companies, but it's really about everyday people. We focus on individuals. And so many kids have inspired us. Uh, we've had eight-year-olds sell lemonade love it. 12 weekends in a row. We've had four-year-olds paint for charity water and raise $5,000. We've had people walk across the country. Um, we've had kids donate their birthdays, uh, not accept any gifts, not throw themselves parties uh, to raise awareness. So we wanted to honor, you know, some of these kids who had made a big impact. Kids have raised millions and millions of dollars for charity water. Uh, and, and then we want to kind of look at them and their impact 10 years later. So some of the kids 10 years ago were six. Now they're 16. Some of them were 11. Now they're 21. So this, uh, this tiny heroes campaign is really just a way to honor them, 
honor their contributions and hopefully inspire you know, this next generation of young kids of activists who can yeah. again say like, I could do something that would help people get clean water. You know, it costs $40 to give one person clean water Amazing. for 10 years, $40, right? That's not that much money. And there's a lot of kids that can go sell $40 worth of lemonade and help one person or $400 and help 10 people. And, uh, and that, that we've just seen, you know, a, a movement now across 147 countries of supporters kind of make clean water something important to them and 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 engage with us. I love this so much. So not only have you shown that you can actually go do good, but I think also just the way you've done it from a I like I said I loved your book Thirst. You talked about just the events that that you have to raise the money. Um you've done it in in such a unique way. And then just activating your email lists. And, and I mean, just you've been able to do, I think, what many kind of stodgy philanthropic um, organizations have not been able to do. I think you're just, you're definitely the blueprint uh, for many, not only entrepreneurs for doing good, but also for people who are wanting to start uh, something around a circle good. No, I mean it really truly. So tell us more about uh where we can find you, where we can yeah. find out more about Charity Water. Everybody sh- definitely pick up the book. I mean it, Scott. I think you need another book too because it was a it was a good one and it it really Thank as you. an entrepreneur it had me, you know, really thinking and as I as I say I love reading entrepreneurial um books because the journey is is never I mean people just think, "Oh, that guy, Scott, he just woke up one day and raised a ton of money and he helps people, right? Yeah. And people don't yeah, it's, know. It's not, a, it's not linear. <laughs> uh, there's lots of challenges. And, you know, I wanted, to write, I wanted to write the book too, just to talk about some of those challenges, those moments where we were almost bankrupt or insolvent and, you know, but sticking true to your values and your vision, you know, and kind of fighting through that. Um, how to get involved. We have this amazing community called The Spring. Mm-hmm. And, you know, think of this as Netflix or Spotify or Amazon Prime for clean water, except you don't get music and you don't get TV and you don't get free shipping uh, or packages turning up at your door in two hours. And it's a it's a membership community where people give a little bit every month, 10, 20, 30, 40 dollars a month. And 100 percent of that money helps people get clean water. And then we report back on the impact so, you know, maybe there's someone listening that could, that could donate 40 bucks every month and at the end of the year help 12 people get clean water. And that's the future of Charity Water, which is really this global community of people uh, showing up, uh, loyally giving a little bit every single month. So that's probably the number one thing people could do. I mean, we have people sponsor whole communities as I said, there's 129 entrepreneurs now that pay for the overhead of the org. I love it. Um, you know, which is m- much bigger donations. But I think that the best way people can engage is just go to thespring.com, thespring.com, and uh, you can sign up in less than 20 seconds and learn more about that community. There's some videos online you, you, can, you can help us share and get the word out. And that's, uh, that, that's one way everybody could help. That's kind of the future. You know, a lot of people coming together, giving a little bit you know, allows uh, us to have a really big kind of dependable 
growth impact going forward. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Scott Harrison. Very, very great to have you here this morning. And thanks, everybody, for listening. And you can find me on all social at Kara Golden with an I. And if you haven't uh, had a chance to read my journey and my story in my book, it's called Undaunted, Overcoming Doubts and Doubters. Uh, I hope you'll pick up a copy or... Uh, get it on Audible as well. It's been uh, a lot of fun. I can't believe it launched a year ago um, this this month. So it's it's pretty crazy. Well, you need to write another book as I well. I know. Well, yeah. actually, it's uh, I as I have said, I turned it all in right before the pandemic, and I feel like you know the last eighteen months in in terms of leading a company and and. Uh, you know, learning about uh, being an essential product during a pandemic and not laying off anybody um, in the process too, but uh, instead just trying to figure out what other roles people can do in the company when offices, which we were uh, about 15% of our overall business was was, um, food service, corporate food service. So that shut down and and we just reallocated people all over the place. You just have to, none of the stuff, as I always say, and I think you'll agree with me, is brain surgery. It just takes a lot of thinking. And yeah. it's exhausting at times because you have to think, right, about so much of how, how what can, can you do? And those are the stories that I really try and get on my podcast. So anyway, thanks, everyone. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you, Scott. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Golden. Thanks for listening.